Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. A jewel in the desert. A round city full of merchants, rulers, and scholars. The great minds of the Abbasid Empire. This is Figures of Baghdad. Hello, fellow travelers. Welcome to Figures of Baghdad. I'm Dina. And I'm Ali. Ali, visiting Samarra has been chaotic. The courts and palaces sound beautiful, but the scheming and plotting, never mind the anarchy, makes me miss the good old days of Baghdad. Not that it was any more peaceful, but I'm kind of feeling nostalgic. I feel you, Dina. Why don't we take a barge and float down to the city of peace? It's been a while. That sounds like a beautiful plan. Back to where our journey began. Back to the round city with its palace, its mosque, and the house. But fair warning, the chaos of the anarchy in Samarra, it's likely going to follow us to Baghdad. Of course. This is a time of two caliphs in two cities. A contest between Al-Mu'taz on the one hand versus Al-Musta'in, between Samarra versus Baghdad. Too right. And the real power in Baghdad wasn't even the caliph. When the caliphate moved to Samarra, Baghdad came under the control of the powerful Tahirid family. Ah, so like many things, this goes back to the War of the Two Brothers from last season. Exactly. Al-Ma'mun didn't just revive the Khalifate, but had such a strong influence on the politics that would come after him. So many of the Khalifs tried to emulate him but failed. And so many of the powerful families and factions that emerged go back to his time. Couldn't agree more. It was really him who elevated the Tahirids. Tahir and later his son, Abdullah ibn Tahir, were originally Al-Ma'mun's most important political allies. The Tahirids help Al-Ma'mun, in fact, restore order to the region after the civil war and buttress the power of the Khalif. They likely originated from the eastern parts of Persia known as Khorasan, so they had deep roots and connections that they could call upon to support Al-Ma'mun and stabilize his empire. What really stands out from the War of the Two Brothers is just how competent and influential the supporters of Al-Ma'mun were. The Abbasids, for all their power, relied on effective administrators and allies. Which is really how all large empires were. If you ruled over big swaths of territory, even if you had a strong army, you needed loyal and competent allies who could handle the different regions for you. And for Al-Ma'mun, this was the Tahrids. Exactly. They became an incredibly influential family. Eventually, they are going to be appointed the governors of Khorasan, where I mentioned they're probably from. And that was originally Al-Ma'mun's own power base. Khorasan is a large region that includes so many different countries today, from Iran to Afghanistan to Uzbekistan. And it was from there that Abbasids initially drew their power. So giving the Tahrids Khorasan is a huge deal. Right, it links the Tahirids with the Abbasids and it cements them as the most important dynasty and allies of the Caliphate. Eventually, they would even have control of Baghdad itself. With the Caliphate moving to Samarra, the Abbasids would need someone to manage and run their old capital. After all, Baghdad was still the cultural and intellectual heart of their empire, the place of the House of Wisdom, so it makes sense they turned to their oldest allies. 
In the 9th century, Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Tahir is going to be appointed governor of the city and general of the Shurta, that's the city guard, and he would hold that position in fact for 15 years. Ali, being governor of Baghdad must have been an incredibly important position. They are like the courtiers around the Khalif himself, but Baghdad is still Baghdad, symbolically, culturally, and financially central to the empire. All roads lead to Baghdad after all. And Ibn Tahir would make the most of that. In fact, you're going to see him as an important character within the game itself. And in history, he builds even more roads leading to Baghdad, establishes even more canals, and under his policy, Baghdad thrives. Even if Samarra was where the Khalif was, Baghdad doesn't lose any of its importance. So Samarra may have had its grand palaces, but Baghdad was still the city of peace. The dream of Al-Mansur and where all the merchants are hanging out. Exactly. And that's what makes it a wealthy city, Dina. All that tax revenue is flowing through the city. And with the House of Wisdom, all the scholars and intellectuals are coming to Baghdad still. As we see in the game itself, Ibn Tahir will become an important patron of the arts. Like all who participate in the Khasa culture of Baghdad, he was literate, a poet in fact, and a great patron. Ah, oh, I remember the Khassa from last season. It was the elite chivalrous culture based around art, poetry, and knightly pursuits like archery and horse riding, right? That's right. Ibn Tahir was the embodiment of that, in fact. He was one of the patrons of the Banu Musa, our old friends, after the death of Al-Ma'mun. He continues to support the three brothers in their endeavors. My favorite three brothers, Muhammad, Ahmad, and Hassan. They were physicians, engineers, mathematicians, astronomers, and political schemers. And now Ibn Tahir was their patron. So they went from one powerful patron to another. By this time, they were already independently wealthy, but Ibn Tahir relied on Muhammad of the Banu Musa to run his treasury. His use of algebra would make the treasury and the tax system incredibly effective. Empires always care about taxes. You know what they say, the two things you can't avoid. Death and taxes. That's right. You know, Ali, one of the things that stand out to me is how wealthy the scholars become. Some have very humble origins like Al-Jahiz, but in the end, many of them become wealthy themselves. It really speaks to how highly prized scholars were. I mean, no judgment, but the Banu Musa are the sons of a thief and con artist and now are independently wealthy. You know, that's a good point. We see a great example of why this is, in fact, with Ibn Tahir. He hires one such scholar, the historian Faleb, to be a tutor for his son. And the historian describes how cushy that job was. He says that he teaches the son for four hours a day. He has extravagant meals with banquets. And he says, quote, he gave me a salary of a thousand dirham per month. Four hours a day, extravagant meals, and a thousand dirhams. That must have been so high for that time period. It would be enough that Thalib would go on to become an incredibly wealthy man, in fact, owning land of his own. And the extravagant meals must have been a sign of Ibn Tahir's generosity and part of that elite Khasa culture. Right. Ibn Tahir, like many Baghdad leaders, was an intellectual, but one who would use his wealth to support poets, scholars, and other intellectuals. So it was a sign of his generosity, but also his duty in the pursuit of knowledge and culture. It drives home just how much Ibn 
Ibn Tahir and others like him, valued scholars. The rich and the powerful genuinely wanted to spend their money on learning and knowledge. It also is a demonstration of his own power. I mean, think about it. It's power through generosity, demonstrating how much you can give. And as a governor, he would have the wealth and power to truly show off and in turn it could be taken as a sign of his influence. We already saw with Zubaida how influential a person can be by supporting the scholars. And it's matched by his political power. He would play a central role in the anarchy in Samara. That's right, because the anarchy eventually leads to a battle between the forces of Samara and the forces of Baghdad. Yeah, when Al-Musta'in flees Samara for Baghdad, he will take up residence in Ibn Tahir's palace. So in other words, he turns to the most powerful ally of the Khalifate, the Tahrids. And just like in that last civil war, it will be the Tahrids, the ones who had supported the Abbasids in the first place and the people who had stabilized their empire who will come through. But this time, it would be Ibn Tahir who will have a large hand in shaping the outcome of the conflict. Gosh, Ali, it's so interesting to see how similar elements and themes keep popping up. Right. To paraphrase Mark Twain, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. Ooh, I like that. And it's so true for this. So Ibn Tahir would have organized the defense of Baghdad on behalf of his caliph, right? And when Mutaz comes down from Samarra, he's confronted by that organized resistance. He has a fully fortified and prepared Baghdad waiting for him. Ibn Tahir even recruits the local citizens to defend the city, giving them bows and arrows and clubs and paying them from the treasury. And I remember from season one with the War of the Two Brothers just how crucial the local population can be. They can hold out against invading forces. And they did for a long time. Ibn Tahir was able to rally the troops several times. He gave important speeches from the balcony of his palace and personally would walk the Khalif to the mosque of Al-Mansur in the center of the city for Friday prayers, which would motivate the troops. And we've spoken before about how important the Friday prayers could be. The symbol of the Khalif walking to those Friday prayers was equally important. But in the end, it just wasn't enough. Al-Mu'taz still defeats them. Yeah. After a year of fighting, hunger begins to set in the city and the people demand that either Ibn Tahir rallies the troops to defend Al-Musta'in or he negotiates peace. And that's when Kabiha steps in. She sends representatives to negotiate a peace deal. That's right. Under Kabiha's influence, the two sides meet under a great red pavilion set up by Ibn Tahir, where they negotiate a truce that involves Al-Musta'in abdicating the Caliphate. One of the many reasons I love Kabiha. So Ibn Tahir does in fact save the city. After defending it, he does what he has to do to ensure Baghdad survives. And really, he walks away stronger for it. He is reconfirmed as governor of Baghdad, and he's to receive a third of all the revenue, which would make him incredibly wealthy. And he'd enjoy that position until his death. So politically savvy. Imagine fighting a war that you technically lose, but still walk away a winner. It really is a win-win for Ibn Tahir. And his influence is just another one of his lasting legacies. Like the emergence of that military faction, the Tahirids would mark the beginning of the rise of the great families. While the Caliphate would be stabilized after the anarchy in Samarra, the end, of course, the empire will survive and thrive for several more centuries, it would now be dominated by two factions – 
a professional military class, that's the influence of the Turkish Mamluk, and the powerful families like the Samanids and the Buyids, that's the influence of the Tahirids. It's also interesting how despite the Khalif being the ruler, a lot of the power rests with the people behind the scenes, the people pulling the strings. Exactly. From Kabiha influencing the succession and intervening in civil wars, to Ibn Tahir and his influence over al-Musta'in, together they would manage to get a Khalif to abdicate and likely save the empire from even further chaos. I've said this so many times, but this period of history is so interesting and full of surprises. So let's recap. The Abbasids continued to rule, but they would have to rely on new powerful factions. They would be caught between the military elite and the political elite. Ibn Tahir and his political acumen not only shaped the intellectual culture of Baghdad, but he quite literally saved it from ruin and in turn would usher in a new type of politics. The consequences of the anarchy of Samara were long-lasting, and the chaos doesn't end there. Thank you all for coming along. I'm Dina. And I'm Ali. This is a Ubisoft podcast produced by Paradiso Media. Be sure to subscribe to the Echoes of History podcast so you don't miss the next episode of Figures of Baghdad. See you next time, fellow travelers. Travelers.